Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. So, with the World Series Game 1 happening tonight, we are going to start this segment with World Series predictions, and we will start with Jack Murrah. All right, I think the Astros in this series clearly by far the better team. They're going to win 4-1. And you look at the starting pitching, I think it's pretty even. I will say the Nationals, of course, have very the, the first two starters, uh, Strasburg and um, Scherzer, are excellent. And I think Corbin is really, really good as well. And so I think they're, uh, both teams are somewhat even in the starting pitching department, especially considering we don't really have a fourth starter. We have Urquidy, who I think is going to play well, but he's not a true fourth starter. But I think if you look at the depth of the lineup, the Astros are clearly way better. And the real hole for the Nationals is their bullpen. And I think that is going to be com- that that factor is going to be exposed in this series because the Astros are great late game hitters, uh, seventh inning and beyond. They're great. They're really clutch. We've seen that. That's how they essentially won the 2017 World Series, and that's why they're going to win the 2019 World Series. I think that you all better bust your brooms out because there's going to be a sweep. Four nothing Astros. I think you saw what he said. Astros are better in every single position except for maybe fourth starter and maybe catcher. But every other position, they are better. And third base, you have two of the best third basemen in the game. So it's super close there. But other than that, Astros got to sweep them out. So I'm going to point out that another position that's really close is left field. You have two similar guys with Juan Soto and Michael Brantley. I do give the slight edge to Michael Brantley, but that's also a very close position. Might even be closer than third base. Um, I think but third base is probably written down. So, yes. I, a lot of people would disagree with you, me being one of them. Well, on he's that. an elite defensive. He's one of the best defense. He's right there. With Same with Alex Bregman. Oh, exactly. Okay. He's right there defensively. And Rendon has way better stats. He's going to be the National League MVP, right? So. Um, no, he will not be yes, the he National League He's literally the National League MVP. Like, just look at the stats. No, it's going to be Cody Bellinger. No. Cody Bellinger has the highest war. The, uh, yeah, but like Rendon has the, I think he has like one of the highest batting averages. He's been clutch all. He does, but he but has more strikeouts than walks. Breg, oh, Bregman has a higher um OPS and an OPS plus, and he gets it because yeah, he's Bregman's, on base more because he walks more. Rendon has more Rendon's strikeouts than walks. Uh, Bregman has more walks than strikeouts. I think Bregman's better. I think the Astros will win four two. I don't think Grinky will throw well in his start. Also, but they like end up winning 4-2 wins by Cole twice and Verlander twice. I'd also like to point out that the teams the Astros had to play to get into the World Series that they beat, Tampa Bay Rays and New York, both teams are pretty good. Like, I'd say they're not going – or they – I'd say the Yankees probably could have won the World Series if they beat the Astros. I'm saying they probably should have if they beat – or should if they beat the Astros, but they didn't. And since the, the Astros beat them, I think they're just more – I guess they're proving – that they're a better team than all the other teams in the MLB. I also think another thing I heard from a Yankees fan on the radio, which I think is very much true, is the Yankees got beat not by a better team, but by a better organization. And I think that's what's going to show up in this series because top to bottom, we're just better. And not, you know, you can compare the players on the field, the pitching staff, but we have a better manager. We have better guys behind the scenes who are going to be able, you know, hey, telling hitters, hey, this is a tendency that this guy has. We saw it multiple times throughout the playoffs. uh, People were tipping their pitches, and the Astros picked up on that. That's why the Astros are going to be the better team. I think the Astros take it either in a 4-1 or a 4-2. And to expand on your point, Jack, I do think Grinky in his first start, if he does, if it does come down to two starts, but I don't, which I don't think it will. But uh, I think Urquidy will come in and eat up a few innings, and the Astros might win that game that Grinky starts. 
But also, again, I think the Nets bullpen is a big weakness that the Astros can tee off on. And I think another key part of this Astros team uh, is Brent Strong, pitching coach. I think he he is some he has some way with his pitchers that, uh, that calms them down. He tells them like before in a, a crucial at bat, lets them know exactly what to throw. They get the outs. They get at a uh, bases loaded jams. I think the Astros take the series. So the Astros did have a big win this weekend, um, but another Houston team, the Texans, took a big loss to the Colts, 30-23, and Rodrigo has a reaction to it. Well, I think this game should not have been this close. When you have a quarterback that's as good as Deshaun Watson, even when he has a bad game, you're almost always going to have a chance at the end. But you really look at what happened in this game. Jacoby Brissett, I mean, this guy is not getting enough credit. He's played lights out. I think he's second in the NFL with 14 touchdown passes. He's been incredible. And the Texans were simply not able to stop him in the red zone. All four of his touchdown passes came in the red zone. And then the Texans offense themselves in the red zone. First three red zone opportunities in the first half, not converting a single time. The defense stepped up big with that fumble in the middle of the second quarter, and they had to kick the field goal. You can say whatever you want about the uh, but Deshaun Watson should have he been sacked during that play. That's fine. But nevertheless, the Texans did not execute in the red zone on both sides of the ball. And let's be honest, Deshaun, it wasn't a terrible game by Deshaun, but it was definitely not a good game either. Two interceptions, made a few plays in there. But you can see that sometimes he just wasn't making the right decision, reverting back to some of his older mistakes from a few weeks ago. I think he'll get that fixed. But another thing to keep in mind with the Texans, these injuries, the Texans have so many injuries all over their roster. I'm talking secondary. Will Fuller is going to be out a few weeks. You know, it's just these injuries are really starting to hurt the Texans. I did like the Gary on Conley trade. We're talking about a former first-round pick. I think he may not be the solution to the Texans' secondary problems, but he may help there because he has the talent. You can see that because he was a first-round pick. And although I didn't think there was a terrible loss, I think there are a lot of things that need to be fixed. But it was encouraging to see that even when the team does not play well, the quarterback does not necessarily play well because your quarterback is of that caliber. He's going to find a way to keep you in the game. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rodrigo. I don't want to start a discussion because of this, but didn't you say if there's a quarterback that's as good as Deshaun Watson, even if they're having a bad day, they should still have like a close game in the end, like a decent final push. Yes. So then what happened with the Seahawks? We see what happened with the Seahawks is there was going to be a close final push. And then DK Metcalf. I love me some DK Metcalf, but come on, man. You can't fumble that ball. Just They they didn't even touch you. The game would have been close. Russell Wilson did not have a good game whatsoever. But, I mean, yes, the game should be close when you have a close quarter. When you have a good quarterback, the Seahawks game should have been close when you have a good quarterback. And – at the end of the day, sometimes in this this particular week, Deshaun and Russell did not play up to their standards. But in both games, 
in the Texans game, one-score game, chance to win it at the end if Kuti doesn't drop the ball. And the Seahawks game could have made it interesting if Metcalf doesn't have the fumble at the end. So that's what happens when you have an elite quarterback. Even when you struggle, you're going to have a chance to win the game at the end. So as the Texans and the Colts are in the same division, they happen to play each other another time. Do you think the Colts will um, sweep the Texans this year or they'll split the series one and one? I think the Texans will split. I think they'll split the series because I think if you look at this loss, it was not a terrible loss for the Texans. They didn't come out. They didn't play well. They didn't convert like Rodrigo said, which I think was probably the biggest deciding factor. They weren't able to convert points into, you know, uh, field goals into touchdowns in the red zone. But I think if you look at this loss from, you know, te- from the Texans' perspective, it's a great loss to be able to build on because it's not like you were completely inept. It wasn't like you couldn't move the ball, but it was just some of the things you need to clean up, you know, like score, converting those points in the red zone or being better against um, – Jacoby Brissett and being better in uh, in terms of the schemes and coverages you call to help your secondary. So I think there's just some little things that you can clean up that'll be in the win. It wasn't there weren't any glaring uh, you know problems for the Texans for that loss. They just didn't come out and play as well as they can. I will say this: it's, it's not like the Texans and the Colts have a close rival have like evenly split the games over the past two years. The Colts have pretty much had the Texans number for. The past for the entire time the Texans have been in the NFL, but I think that the Texans have a better over the better quarterback, and that's why I still give them a chance late. The game's going to be in Houston, and as Jack said, this game a lot of small things. You look at a game where the Texans came in having the highest third down percentage in the NFL. And they did not convert many third downs. They ended up having to go for a ton of fourth down opportunities, which is why I think I, I'm not sure the Texans are have a good enough roster to beat the Colts later in the season. But I definitely don't think it's impossible. I think you got to give a lot of props to this Colts O line. You've seen the Texans uh, front seven. Whitney Merciless has had a lot of strip sacks, a lot of. Uh, and really the whole D-line has had a lot of sacks. And this week, I think they only held them to like two or three, which, I mean, that's pretty tough for a team to do. So I think really a lot of this Colts win came from their O-line. So the NFC is really a stacked conference this year. You have a lot of possible playoff teams and a lot of teams with good records, 4-2, and 5-1, 1-6-0, or 7-0 and team now, um, over in that conference. And the question is, who do you think is the best team in that conference? Well, I think the best team is the Packers uh, by a slight margin. I think that uh, the 49ers are very good. I think they're slightly overrated. I don't want to take anything away from the 49ers because I think they are a very good football team. Their defense is obviously elite. I think just the problem with the Niners is that their mm-hmm. offense is not good enough. And if they were to play somebody like the Packers, when the Packers' defense – is good. It's um, you know, it's not what the 49ers is, but it's very it's a very, very good defense. And when you have Aaron Rodgers leading your offense, you always have a shot to win and always are you're gonna be able to get put up some points on the board. So that's why I think the Packers are a little bit better than the 49ers. I got I got the best team in NFC as the Saints. You know, they've been able to hold strong without, you know, the man under center. They have the six and one record I currently I believe they have right now. And with the weapons that they have, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, when they're both fully healthy, they're they're a deadly duo on that offense. And when you get Drew Brees back, I don't think this team, they're already, they're holding strong. And when they get Drew Brees back, you got to watch out for the Saints. 
I think the best team in the NFC. There's a reason they're six and zero. The San Francisco 49ers, and I mean, you know, they got Jimmy G at quarterback. They've got like a million different running backs going back there. But the secret weapon when you're on the one yard line, you get in that eye formation. What do you need? You need the fullback dive. It's kind of hard to have a fullback full dive, dive when, when your, your fullback full is hurt. injured. Well, it'll, it'll come back. See, fullbacks are tough. Yes. Okay? See, like Drew B coming back and the Saints are going to be unsolvable. When Kyle Juszczyk gets back from, I think it's an MCL sprain, when Kyle Juszczyk gets back, he that offense is going to be deadly. Kyle Juszczyk is one of the best fullbacks in the league. He probably is the best fullback in the league. He can block. He can catch. He can run. An all-around great player. And when the Niners have him back, they will go from the best team in the NFC to possibly the best team in the league. If Kyle Juszczyk is healthy, I give them a chance against the Patriots defense. Well, I agree that Kyle Juszczyk is maybe the best fullback. I don't think getting a fullback back is going to propel your offense into being elite or even that much better. I think he'll help them in terms of their blocking, but I don't know how much that really helps them in the great scheme things. I like the 49ers, but my main problem right now with them is Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think – he's undefeated as the 49ers starters, right? Yeah. yeah. He's undefeated, but from what I've seen, he's – I haven't really seen that killer instinct or the go out and make the big plays that I think they'll need if they want to make a deep playoff run. I would have to agree. I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC because they have Aaron Rodgers. The last time Aaron Rodgers had a defense as good as he has right now, he won a Super Bowl. People forget, this guy is one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time, can make every throw. He's finally motivated. He seems to have a good relationship with LaFleur. As for the 49ers, respect the 49ers. They have had an amazing start to the season, but I completely agree with you, Jonah. Jimmy Garoppolo has simply not played well. And... It's been hidden because that roster is so stacked. If you look at that defense, it has playmakers all over the field. Quan Alexander, Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner. That is an absolutely stacked defense, in my opinion. Probably the second best defense in the league behind the Patriots. But I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo, if the Packers played the 49ers, I don't think the gap between the 49ers and Packers defense is as big as the gap between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo. And as for the Saints, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't think Drew Brees coming back would be that much more of an upgrade than Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater has had, he's not getting enough credit, just like Jacoby Brissett. These are two guys who are backup quarterbacks. They're quarterbacks. Their starting quarterbacks go down, either retiring or because of injury, and they step up and have exceeded expectations. Teddy Bridgewater has not lost a game. At first, he was a game manager. Now, he's starting to have a bigger role in the offense. And people forget, Teddy Bridgewater, he was a fairly good quarterback with the Minnesota Vikings, I think. And And then his head absolutely got destroyed. It wasn't his head. It was his uh, leg. But, yes, um, he – He's very good. He's playing really well. And I personally don't think that Drew Brees is the same player he was earlier in his career or even as early as last season. As you look at the playoff run, Drew Brees did not play well in that playoff run. And I just frankly think if the Saints 
played the Packers, one, I think if this game is in Lambeau, I don't think the Saints stand much of a chance. If it's in the Superdome, I think this is a very close game, but it will just come back to that Aaron Rodgers, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, is a bad man. And that's why the Packers are the best team in the NFC. Well, I've got some more reason for you. In Green Bay, you know, it gets late, it gets December, it gets cold. January, it's cold in Green Bay. It's snowing. The past game, it's a bit harder to do. But you know what you need? You need some smash mouth football, and you need the fullback. Now, (laughs) the Green Bay Packers, they do have Danny Vitale. But there is a reason why the Jaguars cut him, okay? It is because he is not as good as the man, the myth, the legend, the fullback himself, Kyle Juszczyk. Yes, but Kyle Juszczyk is not going to convert big third downs and tens late in the game. He's not going to take the game over. He's a nice piece to have. But Kyle Juszczyk, if you ask me, would I rather have Kyle Juszczyk and Jimmy Garoppolo or Aaron Rodgers and whatever fullback, you can take any guy from anywhere in the world and just say, here, be Aaron Rodgers' fullback. I would still take Aaron Rodgers over Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Juszczyk. That, no, no. <coughs> the job of Kyle Juszczyk is to make sure that third and ten doesn't exist. No, Kyle Juszczyk. What happens when you get on third and inches, fourth and inches? You, you run need, a quarterback sneak. No, and then you, you need the fullback knee, dive. And then you take yeah, out the greatest knee. You don't want your quarterback hurting league. his knee on the fullback dive. That's why you get it that's why to the tough fullback. Oh, okay, boom, cool. boom, boom, boom. There's a reason why the fullback is a dead position in the NFL. Okay. No, but the fullback is having a revival. Now that teams are going to cover the RPO, they, the fullback can run right at the linebacker, block him, because fullback could be going out for a pass. I've seen multiple third and tens this year where Kyle Juszczyk caught a screen and went for more than 10 yards. So we can convert year. those third and tens, by the way. No, he's had two this year at least. Okay. Um, There are multiple times where Kyle Juszczyk can convert that third and ten. But when he blocks the linebacker, the run, the run is free. I think you guys They're are. They're one of the best running teams in the league. They'll run the ball in first down. They'll run the ball in second down. Or they won't. And then it keeps the play action pass alive. You're not going to be getting into many third and tens. And that leaves Jimmy Garoppolo open receivers, which he can hit. It doesn't work that way. The fullback, but it does. It's worked it that way. Kyle it's Juszczyk worked that way for seven weeks of this season. Of a, he's been hurt the last three weeks. He hasn't done anything. How can we talk about how great the 49ers have been over these past few weeks if he hasn't even been on the field? That's how great they are. They yeah, don't exactly. even need the best they fullback in the league. Because you don't need fullbacks. You know, there's yes, a reason <laughs> why the New York Jets are one of the worst teams in football. You know what? where a gap is on their position? Fullback. Okay. There's also a gap, if you're making that argument. Patriots. Basically they have a fullback. James Devlin. He's one of the, the best. Patriots. You know who also has a fullback? The Falcons. Look how are they doing. Yeah, well, uh, at least they got one part of their team right. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringgold.